Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged, the podcast series brought to you by Open Banking Expo. I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Content and your host for today. And I'm really pleased to have with me uh, Philip Mind, who is the Director of Digital Policy and Innovation in the Payments Policy Team at UK Finance, which is the collective voice for the banking and finance industry in the UK. Uh, Philip joins me to talk about his own role at UK Finance, of course, some of the work that the organisation is doing, but also open finance and open banking more widely in the UK, where the opportunities lie and, and what the roadmap ahead looks like. So thanks very much for joining me, Philip. Thanks, Sally, and I'm delighted to be here and yeah, looking forward to our discussion. Great. Well, let's start with your role at UK Finance, which has recently changed, actually. So previously, I believe you were focused on on open banking, and now you're looking more broadly at open finance. So can you explain what your new role is and and why the shift? You're right. I do have a new role. So I'm Director of Digital Technology and Innovation at UK Finance. was previously a, a principal in our payments team. And now my role embraces not just kind of payment strategy and innovation and open banking, which it included previously, but other aspects of kind of digital change and innovation. So including AI, um, new digital money, digital identity. And I also oversee our work on data protection and privacy. And and I'm really looking forward to the role. I've been performing the role since the beginning of of this year and just kind of getting into it. And I think, you know, one of the important things is about the role is the intersections between each of those initiatives. So for example, digital identity can use kind of open banking technology. It's going to be enabling for central bank digital currencies. So there's some really strong kind of intersections between the different policy areas and and technological change. And the way they come together, I think, is going to be, you know, they don't stand in isolation. And within our member firms, they will be used sort of in combination. So it's important that we think about them in the same way too. Yeah, it's quite a broad remit, but we'll definitely um, come on to dig down into some of those areas you mentioned there. But Maybe at this point, it's a good idea to kind of inform our our kind of global audience here at Open Banking Expo of of what UK finance does and maybe some of the some of the initiatives that you've been working on there. So can you provide a bit of background, please? Yeah. So we're a trade association and we represent over 300 firms in the banking and finance industry. So we have a kind of significant footprint. Like any trade body, our kind of principal purpose is to advocate on behalf of our members but I think we do other things as well so we deliver products and services for our members so we have within UK finance some utilities that we provide to our members but we also provide a, a place where our members can meet kind of network and, and share views but uh, certainly in the work that I'm leading on open banking Our purpose is to bring our members together and our members straddle the kind of open banking ecosystem 
and help them sort of drive forward the kind of frameworks within which open banking can flourish. And indeed, you know, as it changes this year, we're in a real kind of inflection point this year and next as it extends beyond open banking into open finance. So our our purpose is to drive consensus on on what the change could look like at the industry level and support our members in delivering it. Yeah, and let's talk about that kind of timeline, if if you like, because obviously open finance is is kind of what we might call the ultimate goal. So open banking has been implemented. It's it's really the start of something much bigger, isn't it? So what work exactly are you doing at UK Finance to get the UK from kind of open banking to that end goal of, of open finance? There there are three pillars essentially to to our work. So let, let's start with open banking payments. So open banking payments are, are relatively small in volume, but they have great potential and the regulators and government have, have identified that potential. And they see open banking payments, particularly in the e-commerce space, as being a competitor to cards payments in the UK. We're very much a kind of cards payments jurisdiction, more so than other kind of jurisdictions. But open banking payments has a, a lot of potential. So we have a pillar of work, which is about determining what we need to do at the industry level to unlock that potential. You know, what, what what's the vision? What are the use cases? How do we see the market in a few years? And what are the, the steps? What's the roadmap that we could now sort of embark on that would take us towards that vision? So that is sort of, you know, an important pillar of our work. The second pillar is around extending open banking into other data sharing propositions. So what could we use those kind of data sharing capabilities for? How could they be extended to deliver more customer benefit and and commercial value? And we're starting to think about the kind of use cases that would deliver that, that benefit. And some of the use cases actually aren't necessarily customer facing but they do deliver customer benefits so there are there is more that could be done behind the scenes to share data using apis and open banking technology to provide stronger kind of anti-fraud measures for 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 customers and then the, the final pillar is having kind of determined now that we're reaching the end of the CMA order, open banking roadmap with the implementation of variable recurring payments, starting to think about what comes next, both in payments and data sharing and customer protection. What are the arrangements, the delivery arrangements that would best support that? And at the moment in the UK, we have the open banking implementation entity, which is bounded, its activities bounded by the Competition Markets Authority order but we're starting to think about a future entity which would be operating outside that order with new governance new funding and the flexibility to deliver you know those items driven by customer benefit driven by you know market value and that's really exciting because with what we've done in in the UK in particular and in other jurisdictions is we've laid the foundations for that through regulation, through the PSD2 and through the order. And 
I mean, the market is is really developing. I mean, it's it's fascinating <laughs> just to see the activity in terms of investment, new partnerships, acquisitions, new products and services, and it's just um, an area where there is huge potential for innovation to put our fintechs in a kind of globally leading position. And it's really exciting to think how we can enable that going forward in, into the future. Yeah, as you say, there's so many use cases and, you know, you obviously picked up on a few there. I mean, can you speak a little bit more about just what the opportunities are for businesses and for consumers in the UK when it when it comes to open finance? Because it seems like, as you say, we're just on, on the on the cusp of actually kind of realising the potential when it comes to payments. But also, like you mentioned there, anti-fraud, that kind of security and, and privacy aspect as well. Yeah, I mean, there are all sorts of opportunities. I mean, starting with open banking payments, you know, there are opportunities for merchants and that's sort of a bit of a generic term but i mean any organization that's receiving payments has an opportunity to offer their customers now a new way of paying a way of paying that competes with card payments a way of paying that enables you know fast settlement fast and kind of immediate settlement because the payments are initiated and made using the faster payment services which typically kind of settles within a couple of hours sometimes within you know for most payments actually within seconds so that now at the moment in the UK open banking payments are single immediate payments but the nine largest retail financial institutions are implementing variable recurring payments. They've been mandated to do that by the CMA, but actually having built that technology for the CMA sweeping use case, um, which allows automated sweeping from current accounts to other me-to-me accounts, that technology could be repurposed for, for other use cases. So I think, you know, Top of the things that is could drive innovation and is really exciting are variable recurring payments. We, you know, now live in a subscription economy. We all have multiple subscriptions to gyms, streaming services, and so forth. And there are great opportunities in that 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 space. So I think that's that's an area which can can benefit businesses in particular, particularly those businesses that receive payments. Um, and actually, one of the most exciting kind of use cases has been in the public sector. So you can settle your tax bill if you're self-assessed using open banking payments and pay HMRC. And there are, I think, that, you know, you didn't mention it in, in your question, but I think there's real opportunities in the public sector around open banking payments. In terms of you know, driving out more benefit for for customers in, in data sharing. I think one of the 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 real strengths of open banking is that it it's taken away a lot of transaction cost. So you know it, it enables us to transact digitally. You know if we're applying applying for a mortgage, we can open access to account rather than you know create PDFs of our bank accounts and send them to our, our prospective lender in that in that way so huge opportunities around transaction costs but also opportunities around creating a different 
information flow into lenders that enables people who might otherwise struggle to access credit because they don't have a credit file with a credit reference agency to to access credit in other ways. And then when you get the kind of intersection between data sharing and payments, you can do some really innovative things around kind of lending and and, and top-ups. So I think that's, for for consumers, you know, there's a great deal of benefit around data sharing. For businesses, who particularly SMEs who suffer, you know, one of the kind of consistent problems in previous years for SMEs has been that overhead, the admin overhead of payments, invoicing, accounting, paying tax. And I think, you know, we are seeing open banking as a really important way of kind of digitizing that admin and in the future, I think there's real, real opportunity to to take that even further. And, you know, we have a kind of making tax digital policy in the UK. So I think there's an opportunity to begin to bring some of these things together in quite an exciting way, which reduces the admin overhead for SMEs and allows them to actually kind of get on with the real business, whatever their business is of, of, of you know, creating products and services and making money rather than spending time managing the, the, the transactions, the accounting and the tax associated with the business. Yeah, and you're right, of course, to, to point out, you know, such a large government organisation, HMRC, has obviously implemented open banking. So we've seen how it can be used there in, in the public sector. And I think the more that, that consumers and businesses come across it in situations like that, then the kind of more it normalises it. And I guess helps uh, that transition away from from card payments, which, as you said earlier, the UK has kind of relied so heavily on historically. Look, I know we've we've kind of mentioned this, the OBIE's kind of roadmap, and, and obviously that's mandated by the, the CMA. We know that that soon that that kind of roadmap, as as we know it, is is coming to an end. There'll be another stage. So I was wondering if you can tell those in the UK you know, who might be wondering what's next. Do you have an idea of, of what they can expect from that roadmap in the future? I think the baseline here is that there are many companies now operating in the open banking ecosystem who rely on the open banking implementation entity and the services it, it provides. So continuity is is really important. In terms of how that kind of entity involves into the future. It's been funded hitherto by the nine largest retail financial institutions. I think there is broad kind of agreement that we now need to move to a different funding arrangement. Working out what that funding arrangement looks like is never easy because it's you know, there are all sorts of complexities. You know, how do you make it? Fa- you know, if you, you can say it should be fair and equitable, and UK Finance has said it should be fair and equitable, but actually working out the detail is is challenging. But that that is an important piece of work. The current entity and its governance is dominated by the requirements of the CMA order. So we need a different form of of governance, and also a form of governance can flex to the way in which open banking 
is going to extend. So getting the right kind of balance in the in the governance is is also going going to be challenging. But the really kind of important bit is for industry as it's now starting to to discuss to work out what it is that needs to be done. You know what are the activities, the items that will form the future roadmap? What are their kind of relative merits? How can we keep costs low? Because costs are a kind of barrier to entry and a barrier to participation. How how can we make sure we're making best use of what we already have? And then that we sequence and prioritize what will be the most kind of market enabling activities, the ones that drive out the most value for customers and the businesses that provide the products and services to those customers. And I think once we have that list of activities, it, that will be really helpful in informing how, you know, the, that future entity should be structured and how it how how it and actually other other partners because there's no reason why those these activities should be the exclusive preserve of a future entity there could be different ways of delivering services and indeed the the market in technology providers of open banking technology has developed over the last five years so we have to be mindful of, of that too but getting that list of of activities will be really important in determining the shape of the organization and we need to make sure that i mean we said this in the report that we published in 2021 you know the transition shouldn't be disruptive it should be a well-managed transition and you know there is a great team kind of leading the open banking implementation entity and you know great engagement with stakeholders and I'm sure you know the ecosystem will work together to evolve that entity into something that you know can continues to support provide the support that the market needs that you know that is enabling of a really successful open banking ecosystem in the UK. Well look I wanted to to move on a bit and talk uh, to you a bit about digital identity which I know comes under your your remits it's obviously a topic that we could probably devote a whole podcast episode to, but I just wanted to to find out, you know, how UK finance is working with UK government to develop a kind of digital identity ecosystem, obviously that works for the UK, but that also has this kind of global approach in mind. I think it's something that's been kind of talked about quite a bit over the years, but perhaps no one is quite sure what, what, what that will look like, right? I mean, there is, there is a huge opportunity for customers. I mean, I think, it, you know, asserting your identity or uh, asserting aspects of your identity, for example, your age, is a real pain point for customers. So there is a great opportunity to, to address that. That's kind of wide, widely recognised. We've been working with Department of Culture, Media and Sport, particularly last year on the the development of a, the trust framework. Um, the trust framework is essentially the rules and standards that give market participants and citizens trust in reusable digital identity. That We're approaching a landmark, a key milestone. I was saying that about open banking, but it's true too of digital identity. In, in as far as we will 
uh, the government will legislate this year. I, I mean, I think that that will be, uh, well, I hope it will be really important in galvanising the way in which the market will de- develop. And, and that is increasingly where our attention in, in UK finance is, is shifting. There are a number of schemes that are developing that are in, in the financial services space around the onboarding use case, around home buying and selling. There are other use cases, so um, anti-fraud, for example. That There's still some uncertainty about how the, the market will develop, in particular, the demand for reusable digital identity and how that, that will take shape. So I think there is some, you know, we will see how that market, uh, uh, what in the jargon is called relying parties, forms to, to consume reusable digital identity. And then there are a number of our members who are, who are called sitting on a lot of kind of data about each of us that could be used to help assert our identity. But that only really works if, if those organizations collaborate, because if you're, I don't know, an account opening retailer and you want to contract for reusable digital identity, and, and, and part of that includes the provision of bank information or you know the way in which an individual has been KYC'd by their their bank. It only really makes sense if you're contracting with whole of market, you know, you and so you need critical mass, which is why the trust schemes that are developing are so important to bring that kind of critical mass together and actually to to help kind of be the, the glue in the middle between a group of providers and that can include not you could have not just bank providers but also others that have digital identity information so government has information which is really important so the credit reference agencies but bringing that together to allow someone to create a reusable digital identity that they're then able to store and whenever they need to assert their identity they can do so, and it's recognised by the market. So the the market of you know in the jargon reliable relying parties is 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 really critical. One of the things that I'm really interested in doing is talking to other sectors about how they see their their sector participating in that digital identity market, which I hope will form over the next few years, because I think it would just be of huge benefit to customers. I mean, for example, having a, an app on your phone, which is widely recognized, which you can uh, use to assert that you're over 18 would be fantastic. You know, for, for the, those people who are in the demographic that are required to do that. Um, and there are all sorts of other use cases, being able to bring digital identity into payments. So you have absolute certainty about who you're paying, who you're receiving a payment from uh, is another important use case. So all this, I think, is great territory in which there will be a lot of innovation over the next few years. And it relates to our previous conversation because you can pull on the data through kind of open banking technology. So we're, we're seeing 
in, in the technical architecture of some of the schemes, the use of, of open banking technology. It is a really exciting, as you say, exciting sort of development. And, and I think another area that is sort of equally exciting anyway is digital money. Uh, there seems to be kind of it's certainly talked about a lot, you know, a digital currency uh, alongside, of course, cryptocurrencies. But in the UK, obviously, we know that the Bank of England is, uh, along with other central banks, of course, worldwide, they're exploring the technology behind a digital currency. Obviously, they haven't yet committed to implementing it. It's still very, you know, very much a kind of research process. But I was wondering, uh, fairly briefly, I suppose, again, we could probably devote another podcast to this, but what work you've done at UK Finance on digital money and, and its future? Yeah, so, so we are, this this year we've, we've been focusing on central bank digital currency thus far, although we are now broadening the work that we're doing and we're looking more widely at stablecoin and stablecoin rent regulation, crypto assets, non-fungible tokens. So there's more breadth to to our work. But in terms of our focus on central bank digital currency, I think there's a really, globally, there's a really clear direction of travel. So I know you, you said that the Treasury and the Bank of England haven't made the decision, but I think there's a very strong kind of direction of travel worldwide. So it's really important that we understand the kind of implications of a central bank digital currency for the banking and finance industry in the UK, and we're able to shape its development. And the Bank of England and the Treasury have been very open to that, and we've been working closely with. Our work so far has, has focused on on three pillars. The first is how you know we have a, an investment in a, a number of kind of payment systems. You know they're not necessarily visible to customers. So the first kind of issue is, is how does a central bank digital currency interact with those systems? Is it interoperable? From a, a, a customer perspective, how can I cash in and out of my central bank digital currency? So that, that's you know one pillar of our work, and we're, we're about to publish a report on that shortly. The second is, what are the business models that are going to enable the provision of a central bank digital currency and what was um, the commercial model and we've been been doing some work on that looking at commercial models in other kind of payment systems but it's clear that for you know the banking and finance finance industry to provide central bank digital currency there has to be a a way of making money. And then the third area of work is really around credit creation and a central bank digital currency. will um, There will be displacement in customer deposit to it, and that will affect banks' ability to lend because their deposits are going to fall by some amount. So We've been thinking, and that gets quite complex because it goes to the heart of kind of banking, which is really, in essence, about deposit taking and lending. So we've we've been doing some some kind of quite complicated work around that with with people who are far cleverer than I am and have much more expertise in that area. And so we're in discussion with the Bank of England around those pieces of work. But of course, there is there is much more and. You know, central bank digital currency gives rise 
to all sorts of other kind of policy considerations. So we're expecting a, a consultation soon from the Bank of England Treasury, and, and that that converse within that. Um, consultation will be providing feedback on you know the other issues that central bank digital currency gives rise to you know for example you know that the, the the issues around anti-fraud and privacy yeah well it's it's a really interesting area i think and and it's something that uh, cbdc's are something that we've we've kind of covered quite a bit on open banking expo so We'll be looking out for for the kind of that consultation from HM Treasury and, and and what the Bank of England eventually decides. We'll, we'll have a keen eye on them at Open Banking Expo, and we'll look forward to hearing more from UK Finance about digital currency in the future as as well. Just to kind of round off the episode nicely, Philip, I was wondering if you could kind of forecast, if you like, what Open Finance will look like in the UK. Uh, in your mind anyway, in sort of five years' time? That's a, a really good question. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> it's a nasty question, so I, really. Sorry. <laughs> no, and, and my vision of open banking is that open banking payments is thriving. We have a thriving market, not just in payments within the PSD2 perimeter that are regulated, but we have a market which goes beyond that, which offers premium services. So there is a flow of value around the ecosystem that creates the right incentives and open banking payments are, are kind of growing in volume and, and give you know delivering kind of customer benefit and a well-established way of, of, of paying in, in the UK that gives customers more choice. In in the, the market around data sharing actually that as customers we are better enabled to share data and for a very clear kind of benefit and that has become something that is a you know a trusted and established and that natural service and that that sort of data flow alongside being able to make payments um, in a digital way uh, on a, an, in a faster way enables us to manage our finances more effectively, make better financial decisions. And we're already seeing that, not just for consumers, but for SMEs too and for, for, for retailers. And then third, finally and, and thirdly, we've kind of forgotten about the CMA order, actually, and the regulation that gave rise to this, that actually the market is self-sustaining, that we need less of regulatory intervention that the market is driven by innovation there are new products and services new partnerships investment into the, the market and and it is is flourishing and the regulatory oversight is really just about intervention and you know in the way that regulators intervene for for market failure but actually the, the market is flourishing so that's those are the three pillars of my vision. I hope that <laughs> answered your question, Ellie. Yeah, absolutely. And and ended on a really positive note, I think, there by by saying that it's it's flourishing. Well, Philip, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Great to hear from you and and of course kind of what the UK finances is, is doing more widely, of course. So thanks, Philip. No, thank you too, Ellie, for making the time and to Open Banking Expo for extending me the invite. It's been really great talking to you. 
My thanks again to Philip Mind from UK Finance for joining me today. We really just skimmed the surface of, of some fascinating topics there, digital identity, for example, and a central bank digital currency. So hopefully we can explore those in, in more detail on the series at some point. That's all we've got time for today, though. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye for now.